Please be advised that this podcast is not a production of the City of Greater Bendigo. The views and ideas expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas of the City of Greater Bendigo Council or organisation. The City of Greater Bendigo endorses a January 26th Statement of Intent. The City installs new glass drop-off points. And Heathcote and Bendigo win silver at the Top Tourism Town Awards. Hello, my name is Matthew Evans and welcome to my weekly podcast in our local community. Well, hello and welcome to episode eight of my weekly podcast in our local community. My name is Matthew Evans. I'm a councillor for the Eplock Ward in the city of Greater Bendigo. It's great to have you listening in or if you're watching the video podcast on my YouTube channel, really do appreciate the time that you're taking to tune in to this episode. And there's been quite a lot happened this week as we touched on uh, very much a lot to come out of the council meeting most recently, Uh, the changes to... uh, the way that glass is collected in the city of Greater Benigo with the new drop-off points, which we'll discuss. But there's just so much happening. And uh, if you're a sports fan, there was a lot of sport and there was a lot of sport over the weekend. Of course, the NRL and the AFL seasons roll on. A lot of people getting really stuck into that in the weeks leading up to the pointy end of the season, the finals. But of course, over the weekend, we've had the finish of the Ashes, uh, the Bledisloe Cup, which weren't really particularly great results. And uh, a lot of other sports, of course, the Women's World Cup that's been going on. I actually went to see Nigeria and Canada at Amy Park. And gee whiz, it's going to be a big game tonight for the Matildas versus uh, Canada. So a huge amount of sport that could probably distract you a little bit. But of course, this is the podcast where we talk about everything that's happening in our local community. So uh, and if there's anything that you would like to discuss on the podcast, feel free to get in touch uh, my contact details are on my website, mattyevansmedia.com, and uh, you can get in touch via social media. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Threads, uh, LinkedIn, and YouTube. And uh, yes, I think, I don't know if it's Twitter actually now, I think it might be X. But anyway, you know what I'm talking about. It's that platform, it's Twitter or X. So the rebrand for uh, Elon Musk there is uh, continuing. So, but moral of the story, feel free to get in touch with me via social media. Of course, this is the podcast where we talk about everything that's happened in our local community over the past week. I'll share with you some of the things that I've been up to. And we'll also discuss some of the key things facing our community, uh, the local government sector more broadly, and the issues that really matter to you. And of course, this week just been has been quite busy. Obviously, the fallout of a council meeting, there's some big decisions that are always made, but we're going to talk about one particular decision, which uh, was of great interest to a lot of people, but certainly made news, of course, was Council's decision to change when we would have our Australia Day citizenship ceremony to January the 25th. We'll expand more of that in the episode. Uh, but we'll also talk about some of the other big things that have impacted. So we're going to touch on some of the news, uh, including IBAC's Operation Sandon report, the most highly anticipated report Uh, And we'll dive deeper into that uh, a little bit. Um, We'll discuss why it's important, um, why it's making the news and why you need to know about it, whether that's uh, you're an existing councillor or whether you are thinking about running for council or if you're someone who really wants to know about the good governance and um, 
how the way that your council and your elected representatives at all levels of government, for that matter, are conducting themselves. So that we'll discuss that briefly. Uh, there was some news that a director from the City of Greater Bendigo leadership team is leaving for a role at Deca. We'll talk about who that is and uh, we'll discuss it a bit more. As we mentioned off the top of the show, uh, the city has now installed glass drop-off points across all parts of Greater Bendigo. Uh, and we'll discuss that. That's obviously part of the changes to curbside collection and waste management in the city of Greater Bendigo, but also in uh, Victoria as well. Uh, and of course, Heathgate and Bendigo uh, getting due recognition for its uh, tourism credentials in the most recent uh, VTEC tourism, uh, top tourism awards. So, and we'll also discuss some of the things that I've been up to more recently, particularly over the weekend that's just been. Uh, including the Heathcote Wine Show dinner, which was a really wonderful event. Uh, the Heathcote Wine Growers doing an amazing job with uh, that event, with the judges and the sponsors of that event, as well as National Tree Day, which we celebrated with some tree planting out in Juniton, uh, thanks to JCAG. But we'll talk, we'll talk more about that uh, just briefly. So lots happening, lots to discuss in this week's episode. So let's get straight into it. Here are some of the news and events of the week that's just been. So we're going to talk about one of the big stories in the local government sector more broadly, and that was the release of IBAC's Operation Sandon Report. So IBAC, Victoria's independent broad-based anti-corruption commission, has released its long-awaited report called Operation Sandon. The special report was started following alleged corruption from a developer to councillors and elected representatives and exposes and the report exposes vulnerabilities in state and local government planning processes. Basically, it's a, as you know, what IBAC does, its role is to uh, investigate uh, alleged corruption. Um, and this was uh, relating to a particular uh, instance in the, um, the city of Casey. So the special report made several findings uh, as well and makes 34 recommendations, which the state government will consider more broadly. Now, given that the state government is considering those in greater detail and the Premier said that they will probably uh, report back with uh, their actions uh, later on in this year, uh, I won't go through everything in complete detail. uh, And there's a lot that you probably would have heard or read in the media as well. So... Uh, and of course, the report's available on IBAC's website. I've included a link in the description of this episode. So the reason why I'm highlighting it uh, in particular is, A, it's one of the biggest stories in local government more broadly, just local council, state government issues, uh, even just uh, this idea of uh, corruption and and trying to stamp out corruption in, uh, in all levels of government. Um, It's important that you need to know about it because what's likely to happen out of this report is that there are going to be some key changes that uh, are going to affect how local government operate. And uh, I think that the two main ones from what I'm hearing and from a quick glance at the report, the two probably of interest to everybody is one around the changes to the planning powers. So there is potential that uh, councils could be stripped of their planning powers, um, particularly on major uh, developments, things like uh, you know high, high, uh, large apartment buildings to try and meet the housing demand, and those sorts of larger scale things uh, are going to start or could potentially uh, come out of the control of council and could be taken by the state government. So that's a, a particularly 
a potentially particularly interesting one uh, and it potentially could diminish the role of council and its powers. So um, there's a lot to play out with that, but we'll see what happens later on in the year. And of course, the other is probably just tightening up on councillor codes of conduct, uh, donation disclosure laws, things like that, which basically to really tighten up on the governance arrangements of councils and council laws and anyone seeking to rep, uh, run for local government uh, in to be a councillor on a local government. So th- this is a quite an interesting report. I, I know everyone in the sort of the day-to-day, you know, going around about their business will probably think, oh, you know, this is another report, you know, really do we trust these politicians with all this? And uh, it is actually, it's an interesting thing to know because this will potentially tighten things up, who knows, for better or for worse. Uh, but um, it is really important. So it will be significant change. Um, we'll see what the state government does and how it responds to the recommendations made in this special report. So uh, I certainly encourage everyone to head to the IBAC website to read the full report, uh, to read all the information uh, that's been put out by IBAC and to draw your own conclusion on that. Um, of course, as I said before, the uh, link uh, to that um, that information I've included in the description of this episode. So uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with that, but uh, certainly uh, a lot happening in the local government space more broadly. So another story from this week was news that uh, Director of Strategy and Growth Steve Hamilton will be leaving the city of Greater Bendigo and will join the state government's uh, Department of Energy, Environment and Climate Action, otherwise known as DECA, and he'll take up the role of Regional Director for the Loddon Mallee region within DECA. Uh, Steve uh, joined the city in August 2021 and oversaw the statutory planning, strategic planning, Bendigo venues and events, Bendigo Art Gallery, tourism and major events, and the economic development units. And uh, his final day will be on the 18th of August. And uh, I just wanted to say, uh, and I've had an an opportunity to speak to Steve in person, but um, uh, congratulations to to Steve on on his appointment. Um, It's it's a shame that we'll be losing Steve. Um, Personally, I got on with with Steve uh, well. Um, he's a very, very good operator. Um, we have a, a quite a fair bit in common, particularly our love of, of art and um, our passion of tourism um, and also uh, of footy, of course, as well. And so I'm sure that I'll probably see Steve down at uh, Gisborne at the footy uh, and uh, around the place as well. So uh, to Steve Hamilton, uh, to your family as well, uh, all the best on the future. And uh, thank you very much for your contribution to the city of Greater Bendigo. So, of course, when we talk about one of the three R's, as we sometimes refer to it at local government level, uh, of course, I am talking about rubbish. It generates a lot of interest. And uh, you probably would have noticed uh, these big purple skip bins starting to appear around the city of Greater Bendigo. So uh, what that's about is uh, the glass drop-off points have now been implemented across the city of Greater Bendigo. So 19 specifically branded Glass drop-off points have been installed throughout Greater Bendigo by the city. The move is part of the recent state government changes to curbside collection and is also in accordance with Recycling Victoria, the policy which mandates that going forward, glass will no longer be going to curbside uh, recycling bins. Uh, And so you would have seen a few located around the place. Um, As I mentioned before, they're large purple skip bins with some information on what to put in the bins and what not to put in the bins. 
And uh, some of those areas include uh, the play space out at Axdale uh, on Harriet Street in Heathcote, uh, the Strathdale Oval Car Park or Bysha Park, whatever you call it, in the car park there uh, near the Soccer Ovals, uh, in Club Court in Strathfield Say at the Strathfield Say Community Hub, as well as other places across the city of Greater Bendigo. Uh, for more information on uh, this, all these measures, but also where you can find these uh, drop-off points uh, if you haven't found them already. Uh, you can find more information on the City of Greater Bendigo's website. And of course, I've included a link to that information in the description of this episode. But again, this is another part of the measures that the City of Greater Bendigo is taking to manage our waste uh, in line with very much the state legislation and the state uh, requirements with waste management. So uh, we're continuing to, to roll that out uh, as I've mentioned on previous episodes, this is all to do with uh, yeah, the changes to the curbside collection. Uh, it's all part of the strategy to, to minimise the waste that's going into landfill uh, to try and deliver uh, better outcomes for our environment. So that's a key change. Uh, it's being phased in right now. And yeah, so make sure that you head to that website, uh, that resource, check out where your nearest uh, glass drop-off point is and familiar, uh, familiarize yourself with that so that you can help do your bit for the environment. So interesting news about waste disposal, uh, particularly waste of uh, well, glass disposal in Greater Bendigo. Bendigo and Heathcote have won silver at the Top Tourism Town Awards for 2023. Uh, so Bendigo was awarded uh, silver for the Top Tourism Town category for its heritage architecture beautiful parks and gardens, and many attractions and events. Uh, Heathcote received silver in the Top Tourism Town Award category for its stunning natural landscape, boutique wineries, walking and cycling trails, and just it's just in general, it's a wonderful place, Heathcote. I'm a bit biased as a ward councillor. So, uh, look, it's a great achievement for uh, Bendigo and for Heathcote. It is wonderful recognition. Once again, uh, Bendigo and Heathcote have featured prominently in these awards over the last few a few years that it was held uh, Bendigo of course won gold last year at these awards and went on to go and win silver at the national awards uh, unfortunately we did uh, lose to Ballarat not not particularly happy about that but um, I know uh, some good councillor colleagues over there in Ballarat who are very proud of their city as well as the the broader community but uh, again this is wonderful recognition of the work of the uh, local hospitality uh, tourism sector, uh, the local businesses that help support uh, drive our local economy here in Bendigo. And um, it's a credit to to everyone there. And I know uh, as the councillor rep on the Bendigo Tourism Board, the amount of work that the local businesses do uh, to drive our local economy. So well done to everyone on your contribution and also for supporting wonderful events that we've had, uh, particularly the events at the Art Gallery where we've had uh, Australiana, Designing a Nation, the Australian Women's Weekly exhibition there. We've also had Wagner's Ring Cycle as well at uh, the Alumbra Theatre and a lot of a lot of other events as well. Uh, the Sheep and Bull Show more recently. There's a lot happening in Greater Benigo and thanks to the businesses that have got behind uh, supporting those businesses, supporting the visitation uh, to our region. Uh, and I also want to give a shout out to our tourism and major events team uh, and also the everyone involved, uh, economic development as well. The teams at the city of Greater Bendigo who help support the uh, tourism economy and this particular part of the sector. Uh, but I leave my 
my last sort of thanks always to uh, the volunteers at the Bendigo and Heathcote Visitor Information Centres. They're the people that uh, often visitors to the region, uh, they're the first people that they meet and uh, they provide people with the right tips and tricks uh, and the uh, ideas of where to go on what days and at what times uh, and are basically great ambassadors for our city and region. So I want to particularly give a good shout out to you guys and it's all your your work that uh, this due recognition is, is occurring. So uh, well done to Bendigo and Heathcote and I guess uh, for next year we're going to have to work very hard to campaign for us to win gold next year. And finally, just quickly, I wanted to share a couple of things that I've been up to in the community more recently and I mentioned it off the top of the show and that was uh, a couple of events in uh, over the weekend that's just been and uh, the first of those was on Saturday night uh, where I attended the Heathcote Wine Show dinner at the Heathcote RSL Hall along with uh, our Mayor, Councillor Andrew Metcalf and fellow Epilogue Ward Councillor uh, Greg Penner and joined many of the the wine growers and the uh, or the the wine makers and the the grape growers of Heathcote on what was a very special occasion, and we celebrated uh, many of the uh, fine produce uh, that has been uh, put forward this year for awards. So, uh, my sincere congratulations to everyone that won prizes, uh, that everyone who was a gold medalist uh, at this year's event, uh, and of course, I really did enjoy sampling the the fine uh, wines that our, our region has to offer and. Uh, what's really important and what was really recognized is that each and every year, this is about the 10th year that they've had the Heathcote Wine Show uh, and the Wine Show Dinner, but uh, Heathcote's name and reputation as a uh, a wine producer, particularly Shiraz and uh, various other varieties as well, uh, is starting to not only get across the state, get across the nation, but it is starting to have a presence right across the world. So, uh, there's still some challenges for the industry, of course, obviously with the cost of living cr- uh, crisis at the moment. Uh, it's putting pressure on uh, people to buy wine, but of course the tariffs uh, that are currently in place, particularly the ones uh, put on by China, uh, are still hurting the region. So if you can and if you are able, please make sure that you're helping to support our winemakers, our wine growers by buying uh, their fine produ- uh, their fine products and uh, supporting uh, that particular part of the economy, whether you're a local or whether you live abroad. So that was one of the really good events that I was pleased to go to. And the other event, which was yesterday, was celebrating National Tree Day by uh, joining the community in tree planting at the Honey Eater Reserve in Juniton. And it was a wonderful event organized by uh, JCAG, the Juniton Community Action Group, a very active group in the community and yeah they put on a quite a bit of a day we did some tree planting there was a free barbecue as well uh and there were, it was great to see so many people there particularly young kids having so much fun with their their families with mum and dad uh with their parents with their grandparents even even every man and his dog was there um and uh yeah really making a huge difference on national tree day and um yeah there was also other people from other community organizations i saw dennis johansson from the Stratfield say and Districts Community Enterprise, another organisation, but um, you know the fossils doing their bit to help out the JCAG group. So uh, a wonderful contribution, a wonderful community initiative, and uh, a great win for our local environment. And it's a great project out there at Honey Eater Reserve. And if you happen to be watching this podcast and you haven't been to the Honey Eater Reserve, 
do yourself a favor and, and head out there because you'll be pleasantly surprised by the work that's been done and uh, what's being turned into a wonderful natural space. Uh, it used to be a quarry, um, I think a stand, sandstone quarry uh, for the sort of the sand that goes into the road bases back in the day, it was my understanding, but uh, I could be wrong. I might need to be fact-checked on that. But um, it's turned into a wonderful space. And if you go around the walking path, you'll see all the nesting boxes that have been put up by you know, by JCAG and volunteers and alike. Um, and it's a really good conservation project. So again, a wonderful day to celebrate National Tree Day and a great win for our local community. So thank you to JCAG for the amazing work and the amazing event that you put on yesterday. And that's pretty much the news and events of the week that's just been. So our deep dive topic for this week's episode is the decision that we made at our most recent council meeting, the July 2023 Ordinary Council meeting, and that was moving our citizenship ceremony on Australia Day away from January 26th, as well as endorse a statement of intent regarding uh, January 20, uh, uh, January 26th or Australia Day. So Council has decided to move its Australia Day citizenship ceremony to January 25th uh, and will work with local First Nations communities to plan for a more inclusive event on January the 26th. The statement of intent was also endorsed, which was supported by JARA, as well as the Bendigo and District Aboriginal Cooperative, otherwise known as BDAC. Uh, the Tungarung Land and Waters Council developed their own statement, which helped guide stakeholders on what they should do regarding January 26, and uh, that was very much what uh, helped guide the decision that the uh, council officers had uh, put forward to councillors and what we ultimately voted on. Uh, so I abstained on this one, and I know that there's a bit of conjecture about it, and I know for the purposes of the minutes, it's uh, treated as a no because it's simply not a yes. But I would like to say this very clearly, that uh, abstaining is an option in voting, although it might not be popular to a lot of people. When you have three options uh, as a councillor to vote, whether that's to yes, no, or abstain, as far as I'm concerned, if I've abstained, I have abstained. It's neither a yes, and it's certainly neither a no. So I just want to make that point very clear, if I may. But personally, I'm neither here nor there when Australia Day is, and to be perfectly honest, I don't mind if the date changes. Uh, in fact, um, the main thing I really care about is that we celebrate Australia Day. I would like to have a uh, an Australia Day where we celebrate who we are, uh, firmly acknowledging who we are, uh, who we were, and the atrocities of our past, and we we seriously have to learn about what has happened to our First Nations communities, and really take a deep understanding of that, and really understand the spiritual uh, intergenerational trauma that a lot of First Nations peoples feel. And I certainly know that uh, through listening to uh, our First Nations communities as well. So it's really important. Uh, what is also true is that we should celebrate who we are in the present as a modern society and where we're heading in the future. Uh, our multicultural makeup are the things that we achieve uh, in the science fields, in the research fields, in the sporting arena, wherever it is, Australians are achieving amazing things. And they're the things that we should be reflecting on. They should be the things that we should be respecting and that we should be celebrating as well. And look, to be perfectly honest, if Australia Day was held on another day, 
that as long as it was held on a day where we could all be united and celebrate that, that is fine by me. So I don't mind if the date has changed. Uh, but the thing that I, uh, the reason why I, I ultimately abstained was uh, because, well, I think the, the decision to move our Australian Day, Australia Day citizenship ceremony to the day before uh, or to, you know, to be in line with what the federal government has put out. Uh, really, everything that's currently arranged is still evolved around this one day, uh, January the 26th. And really, we're not solving the problem, in my view, that uh, we're not actually reducing the trauma whatsoever. And uh, can I say, quite frankly, uh, and I probably missed an opportunity to say this in my contribution on this matter at the council meeting, but... Frankly, no one's putting any pressure on the federal government to change the date of Australia Day. And ultimately, it's the responsibility of the Australian government and the parliament to change Australia Day. And I remember when uh, the previous government was in, there was a lot of pressure on them to change the date. And there was a lot of backlash to their perhaps heavy-handed tactics to uh, force councils to have their citizenship ceremonies on Australia Day. Uh, so uh, now that we're in a situation where there's obviously a lot more flexibility, it's still the policy of the government, uh, the federal government, uh, the the government that Anthony Albanese as Prime Minister leads, that they do not want to change Australia Day. And uh, the Minister for Indigenous Affairs, Linda Burney, said that uh, said as much uh, in, in the last sitting of Parliament. So. But there's no real pressure on the federal government to change the date. And quite frankly, that's what I think we probably should do, is actually put the question more seriously to the Commonwealth and actually consider a change of uh, Australia Day. Um, as I said, personally not welded to January 26. My main focus and my main hope is that we can celebrate our country and so that people are not afraid, uh, people that want to celebrate our country are not afraid to be celebrating uh, their country and the country that we all love, so uh, so I'm hopeful that um, that we can do that. Uh, I mean, there uh, there were some shortcomings in our statement that I articulated on or alluded to on our, at our council meeting. Um, for example, putting pressure on the feds to to change the date. I know that's what a lot of First Nations communities members have asked for. I know that's what our youth council actually said in their letter uh, to two councillors on this particular topic. Um, that we actually should advocate to change, but what we've advocated, what we're going to do is advocate to the federal government to consider reviewing their policy, which is really not strong enough in my view. And I alluded to that in our contribution. Uh, but that said, though, I, I would say that uh, there were a lot of critics uh, of the city uh, and of the council as to uh, the time it took to arrive at this decision and to come up with a position on this matter. It, as the report in the uh, meeting agenda suggests, this has been going on for quite some time, since 2019. Um, but what I'd say uh, respectfully is that, um, you know, those critics internally, when I say internally, within the organisation, but also externally in the community, I think, uh, and of course I'm saying this because I'm defending the process that I was ultimately a part of, uh, is actually the way that the city ultimately handled this and the way that councillors handled this uh, process to the point where we've now arrived at a position and we've endorsed it as a council, uh, I actually respect it and I think it was the right way to go. Uh, so particularly taking the time that was needed to take uh, to deeply consult 
with First Nations communities. There were at least three conversation circles. Uh, Councillors were part of that senior leadership uh, and, of course, representatives from JARA and BDAC and other uh, stakeholders in this space as well. We're all part of those conversation circles uh, at one point or another. So, and also uh, to take deep consideration. And we, uh, to be honest with you, this was going to come to a council meeting much uh, earlier, uh, quite a while ago, I would say. Uh, but the concern I had at the time was that this was going to be put without actually having properly consulted with the Tungurung, which would have been irresponsible and a slap into the face or slap in the face of what we had put out in terms of our strategic documentation, our uh, Bapangu, the uh, Reconciliation Action Plan that the City of Greater Bendigo has. So it would have just slapped all of that in the face and just been totally irresponsible to do that. So, uh, and as I said at the council meeting, we actually had a presentation from Auntie Geraldine Atkinson, um, who's very much involved with treaty in Victoria. And her words stuck true in my mind, is that these sorts of things you cannot rush. So you have to take the time that was needed. So ultimately, whilst I abstained on this particular item, I think the way that the city has approached this matter They've done it in the right way. They've done it in the most respectful way. Uh, and the debate itself on the night was uh, ultimately respectful as well. And um, and to echo what our mayor has said, uh, we just really need to be mindful of what we're saying to each other, being respectful of each other, uh, irrespective of your views. And we should all strive to be uh, more accommodating, at least take the opportunity to understand where people are coming from, um, irrespective of, of what your views are, and just conducting ourselves and each other with respect so uh so all in all that's a quite a big thing that's happened in the city of greater bendigo one of the big decisions that we've made of course uh it follows up from uh a similar or big decision uh, at the most at our previous council meeting the june ordinary council meeting where we decided to endorse a yes position on the voice to parliament a referendum that's due to be held later on this year so uh, if there's anything that you want, if you wanted to provide any feedback, I certainly would encourage everyone to put a bit more heat on the Commonwealth government to consider, not just consider, look at changing the date if it means unifying the country. Um, people should put, put pressure on the feds to do that. Um, no one's doing it at the moment. So, um, But until then, it remains the government's policy. But uh, all in all, the city of Great Bendigo has decided to change uh, the date of its Australia Day citizenship ceremony to January the 25th and has also endorsed the statement of intent. But if you've got any particular thoughts on that topic or any of the other topics that we've discussed in the podcast, feel free to get in touch via uh, my contact details, which are on my website, maddieevansmeter.com, or get in touch via social media. So as you've heard, there's been a lot happening in the local community and uh, in the local government sector more broadly. And of course, there's a lot to look forward to uh, in the weeks and months ahead. I'm particularly looking forward to the official opening of Omari Bendigo at Lani Garigalang. That's all happening this weekend. Uh, They're starting to take bookings for this coming weekend. So uh, looking forward to going to the industry event uh, during the week and uh, at some stage popping down to have a bit of brunch uh, as well. So that's happening this week. Congratulations to the team at Omari for getting uh, set up and established. All the best to you guys there. Uh, 
in terms of some other events that are that are not just happening uh, for this week, but in in the weeks to come, uh, the fifth annual Heathgate Community Black Tie Ball is on Saturday, the twelfth of August, at the Heathgate RSL Hall. That'll be a great, wonderful event. Uh, there'll be a great band there. That's certainly going to produce a lot of music that the whole town of Heathgate are going to hear. So uh, it's all going to be wonderful. So looking forward to going to that. Um, and of course, uh, you might have seen some nominations for certain organizations, certain businesses for the upcoming Be Bendigo Business Excellence Awards, which are taking place at the Red Energy Arena on Thursday, the 17th of August. So uh, some really big news there, some big events and uh, all the best to the businesses and the organizations that have been nominated for awards. It should be a very exciting night to celebrate the businesses in our local community. Uh, and of course, in terms of what I'm up to, aside from uh, working away at work outside of council, uh, we've got our usual briefings, our workshops, uh, some committee meetings, and of course, just uh, getting in touch with community members uh, with the issues and ideas that they have. Um, and also just, yeah, doing the day-to-day stuff as a, what a councillor will do. But of course, there's a lot of events that are happening during the week and there's always news that will come up. So we'll certainly talk about that uh, in future episodes. So uh, they're the, some of the things that we can look forward to in the weeks and months ahead. So it is time to wrap up this episode. Uh, there's been quite a lot discussed, uh, quite a lengthy episode. And once again, really do appreciate the time that you're taking to tune in to all of the episode or even segments of the episode. Uh, really do appreciate it. And before we wrap up, as you know, I'd like to know what you think on some of the things that we've discussed uh, in the topics today or what we've discussed in previous episodes. Uh, feel free to get in touch with me uh, at any stage. My contact details are on my website, maddieevansmedia.com. And feel free to get in touch and connect via social media. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Threads, LinkedIn, and YouTube. So stay tuned for the next episode. All episodes, including this one, are available on my website, on my YouTube channel, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. So that's all we have time for today. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the podcast. Take care, look after yourselves, stay classy, great at Bendigo, and see you in the local community.